Welcome to the Four Thoughts of Our Founders, the podcast of the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. We are practitioners, scholars, administrators, and researchers, uh, but more importantly, we're zealots of this sacred space. Today, we have got a really special guest, brother by the name of Wes Bellamy. I am not going to belabor the point. I am Herman Felton, great D's, zone of 1's and 2's, so let's get at it. My man, Wes Bellamy, how you doing today, brother? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm doing really, really good, brother. I'm really happy uh, that the stars aligned and we got a chance to uh, chop it up and um, have a conversation uh, to talk about the space and everything else that's evolving in the world of uh, Dr. Wes Bellamy, man. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate the invitation. Um, and more than just the invitation, I appreciate your mentorship, your tutelage. And um, again, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, brother. Let's get into it, man. Tell the folks who, who Wes Bellamy is. Where, where, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks again, so My name is uh, Wes Bellamy, or Dr. Wes Bellamy, as we go by in the academic world, <laughs> or in the world of academia. Um, I am originally born in South Carolina, a place called Atlantic Beach, South Carolina, which is um, one of the only black-owned and black-started beaches in the entire United States of America. Wow. So I think I got my, yeah, I got my, my intro to uh, our people and being present for our people and representing for, my, for our people at a very early age. Um, as I was born uh, there, my parents in South Carolina, I grew up in Atlanta, um, a graduate of South Carolina State University for undergrad. Got my dogs. master's in my doctorate. There you go, Bulldog. There you go, Bulldog Tenacity. Uh, and um, got my master's in my doctorate from the Virginia State University. Uh, shout out to my president, President uh, McCauley Abdullah. Yes, sir. And um, I'm a, an individual who, who, for lack of a better term, likes to start stuff. Uh, so I get them started. We see it through. Um, I have no issues with addressing issues revolving around matters of race. I have no issues with uh, sometimes making people uncomfortable. And I think this is who God made me to be. Um, in addition to being the department chair of the political science department chair at Virginia State University, I just finished up my term on the Charlottesville, Virginia City Council, in which I was the youngest person ever elected and only the seventh African-American elected. And most people um, around the country know me for uh, bringing to light the statue removal, the Confederate statue removal, and kind of kicking off that campaign yes, sir. and being for better, or, for better or worse, kind of standing up to hate um, after the Unite the Right rally in our city in August of 2017. Yes, sir. So that's me in a nutshell, and uh, I guess gonna, we're all stewards. We're going to chop that up, man, because there's a whole lot of good stuff up in there, man. Um, let's let's <laughs> go back to undergrad. Um, sure. Wes, you grew up in... Atlanta, but you talked uh -huh. about um, the impact of being, a, you know, a, a person who was uh, introduced to a rich culture, the diaspora, um, the mm -hmm. 
not only the diaspora, but the intentionality around community, uh, specifically, um, you know, black community and also um, the burden, the charge to keep. Um, what was it like uh, coming up in that space, man, being around relatives who were cognizant of what what was owed? Yeah, I, I had the privilege, I'm double privileged to a certain extent. Like I said, my family's from Atlanta Beach, and then I grew up in Atlanta during the time in which Atlanta was becoming what a lot of people know as Atlanta now. So while my neighborhood wasn't the best, um, and they called it Little Baghdad, <laughs> the neighborhood was a little hectic, but I knew outside of my neighborhood there was always this essence of black excellence. So I grew up seeing nothing but black mayors, which led me to know that uh, I could be a black mayor if I wanted to. Yes, sir. All of my, or excuse me, a large majority of my teachers were black. Mm-hmm. My principals were black. My firefighters were black. And then when I would go back to South Carolina to be around my family, we would be around this thing on this Black Bike Week when I would see nothing but black entrepreneurship and our people just really uh, bartering and being with themselves and my family. They, they were really uh, well-known within the community. Um, for some things that they maybe shouldn't have been well known for, <laughs> but but my grandmother was very much one that taught me, and my aunt taught me the the power of protecting and taking care of your people. How so when you... I went to college, when I went to college, I'm sorry, but no, 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 go ahead. I was going to ask you, how did you choose uh, South Carolina State? I mean, because you're in you're in Atlanta, yeah. and there was a, a bevy of places that uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. you have went to as well. Yeah, so I played football um, all throughout my school career. I was okay. I was pretty decent. I was pretty decent at it. Uh, <laughs> South Carolina State was one of the schools that was recruiting me, and um, I had the opportunity to go to Morehouse. That's why I got in as well as Clark. But something was telling me that if I stayed in Atlanta, it probably wasn't the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I chose South Carolina State because it was three hours from um, Myrtle Beach and then it was three hours from Atlanta, so I could get to both sides of the family. Right in the middle. Um, and relatively the same. Yeah, but relatively the same amount of time. So I chose South Carolina State over uh, University of Arkansas. Okay. Um, and mainly because I knew I always wanted to go to an HBCU. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I'm about our people, so that was uh, that was the decision for me. What was your first experience with uh, with an HBCU? If you could, Do you recall the first experience you had with an HBCU, man? Well, when I when I was uh, when I went to school, um, I mean, if I, I guess I was. If I was to be clear, though, I think when I was watching Different World, okay, I didn't quite understand, you know, HBCU, but I loved the show and I knew what the school was. I guess about a bunch of black folks, mm-hmm. and then I remember uh, being in high school and hearing about the distinction of being a Morehouse man, mm. and then I think learning, you know, more about other uh, their schools of people just for us. And um, that was kind of my, my first introduction. But when I stepped into the campus, when my mom dropped me off, when I got to South Carolina State, it was my first real introduction. And I fell in love from day one. Yeah. It was literally everything that I dreamed about, a group of, of just being around our people, mm-hmm. from intellects to people who were trying to figure out and people who were all concerned with my success. I don't think people put... Um, well, I can't say I don't, I don't know, but I I feel like there really isn't um, a premium put on um, 
being in a space where all you see is excellence and there has been a continuum mm-hmm. of excellence and what mm-hmm. what that begets the what 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 that environment yeah. you know exudes i don't i don't know if people really understand how impactful it is to be in a space like that man yeah, you, you won't know until you experience it. It's one of those things that, you know, people can talk about it, but mm-hmm. until you actually experience it, you won't understand the impact of it. And you also probably won't appreciate it until you experience it. Now, by that same token, I also, you know, there's a level of privilege that comes along with us having the ability to be in those spaces and also be cognizant enough to take it all in and appreciate it because not everybody gets it while they're there. Some people don't appreciate it until after they leave or until they go to other spaces. Yeah. What what was the, uh, we're going we're gonna to move away from that undergrad, but I do want to know what was the craziest yeah. thing you did at <laughs> South Carolina State, man? You... Yeah, the, the craziest thing um, that happened to me while I was at school was my daughter being born. I think the craziest and the best thing mm-hmm. was my oldest daughter, Michaela, being born my senior year uh, and it forced me to grow up. I was one of those guys, um, I had, I threw a lot of parties. Um, I, I did a lot of stuff on campus from board registration jobs and, you know, I pledged and all that good stuff. But I wanted to stay an extra semester and, you know, throw some more parties, have a little bit more fun. So when I, you know, something you did transfer, which is, but when my daughter was about to be born, it was, hey man, you gotta tighten up. Life came at your fast. Graduate. Yeah, man, go ahead and graduate and you'll get the job and then, you know, take care of your responsibilities. And that's what led me to subsequently move into Charlottesville, Virginia. I got it you. was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got you. Right, let's get it out of the way real quick, man. I, You know, you dropped a little <laughs> nugget that you pledged. You know, just go ahead and take the people yeah, out of yeah. the misery, bro. Yeah, no, there's only one frat. I want all my alpha you know? presidents to hear that out there. All those Roderick Smothers and Walter Kimbrough yeah. and all those dudes out there. Went, and Makola Abdullah. I, I want all them to understand yeah. that uh, today is our day. Um, it's I, our day, man. It's I, our day. I, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Um, you, you alluded to this. Um, in that your daughter um, made life um, clearer for you. How, mm-hmm. so after undergrad, would you say that the pathway that you're on now, what, was that a part of the clarity? Um, did you launch into what you are doing now? I know in some respects mm-hmm. you've always done it, but did you take a step? Right. Um, a monumental step uh, in that direction. When, <laughs> when when did that happen? No pun intended. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think it happened uh, when I moved to, to Charlottesville, Virginia. It was the first time in which I really came to the realization that my life isn't just mine. I have a little person that I'm responsible for, mm-hmm. one. And then secondly, moving to Charlottesville, uh, I got a job here working for a government agency, and they recruited me from South Carolina State to, to come and work here. And it was the first time I was in an environment in which I was a true minority. So Charlottesville, the city, um, is only 19% black. It was surrounded by a county, Amarillo County, in which African-Americans are only 10% black. So it was culture shock. Like, 
going to HBCU, growing up in Atlanta, and now I'm in a place where I'm a super minority, mm-hmm. where I literally have to ask people everywhere I go, where are the black people? <laughs> um, it made me, no, no jokes aside, like people still talk about that here. <laughs> to this day, I would always ask folks, like, where are the rest of us? <laughs> but it made me uh, truly, truly say, hey, you know, well, where's our voice? And why am I asking for someone else to, to be the change in the community that I could be? Yeah. So we started doing a lot of community stuff when I moved here. Uh, started leading community days. I started a boxing club for kids. Um, started a basketball club. And I kind of was just known as the, the community guy, the young community guy. kind of hit the ground running when I moved here. Mm-hmm. And then that's what led me to running for office. Um, because, again, I didn't want to ask anybody to do for us what we could do for ourselves. So there was no voice. It, it, as the way you felt um, that there was likely no representation or no, no one to capture the sentiments of what was needed for, for, mm-hmm. for your populace. Right. Not in the way in which I was accustomed to seeing. And again, yeah. I come from a very different place. Yeah. So we had one, uh, one lady who was on, yeah, one person who was on the city council at the time, um, rest in power to Dr. Holly Elwood. Uh, so she was kind of quote unquote, the, the one black person, who was in the seat, and then when she uh, got off the council, she didn't run um, again. So then there was no representation on the city council. And Charlottesville is a place, I mean, we're the home of Thomas Jefferson. Yes. We are the, the home of the University of Virginia. We are the place in which people are accustomed to uh, just honestly white people doing what they do and following a lot of white supremacist uh, traditions and mm-hmm. models. Mm-hmm. Black folk don't really rock the boat. We don't really say a lot of different things. And for me, that just wasn't what I was accustomed to, and I didn't want to stand for it. So I had to take some licks and learn to live the land, but it all worked out for the best, and subsequently led to me being elected and then truly uh, pushing the community to change. So let's talk about mentors and and how, sure. how, did, uh, how impactful was that for you um, and taking that step to um, going from a community activist, which you continue mm-hmm. to be a community partner. Mm-hmm. I, I like to say a community partner. Um, mm-hmm. Activist is great, but, <laughs> you know, partners is, you know, there's... Partners get the work done. Yeah. Activists, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Partners get no, the I'm work with you. done. <laughs> And keyboard and Twitter activists, uh, even like in the HBCU space, you know, folks be capping off at the mouth while, you know, you up in this thing uh, taking licks for real. You know, people, people, right. uh, it's, it's about partnership. So how, how, how what was influential um, by way of mentorship for you? Uh, and did you have that to help you guide and navigate? Because being a young guy, man, um, and, yeah. and new to a process, there, there are landmines everywhere um, and yeah. in every space. And if, if you don't have sage, um, you know, like you said, you take lumps. But was there anyone that helped you and said, hey, brother, you got, you got energy, you got intellect, um, and you got desire. Let's put this in the right space and then unleash you. Did you, did you have any of those moments, uh, any people that helped yeah. you? Yeah, um, so I didn't I didn't grow up uh, with a traditional relationship with my mother and my father. Um, and my dad and I, we kind of had an estranged relationship for a while. But God has been so good to me that literally every 
step of the way, he sent me men who have uh, mentored me and helped me. And when I moved to Charlottesville, there was no different. There was a gentleman named uh, Ed Johnson, who was a middle school principal, mm-hmm. um, who I found him at a church. I just randomly went to a church one day. His family kind of took me in. He helped guide me. Um, I've had different pastors in the area, a particular uh, pastor, Dari Hamilton, took me under his wing and helped guide me. Pastor Alvin Edwards took me under his wing, helped guide me. And, uh, I mean, I joined the 100 Black Men in Central Virginia and kind of rose through those ranks and then eventually became my chapter president. Mm. But the guys in the organization, the older guys, they really helped me as well. So, I mean, literally throughout my past, I've had brothers who have really taken a liking to me and say, hey, we know you're going to do things your way, mm-hmm. but maybe you should think about it from you know this perspective. And it's funny, like I'm doing this conversation with you, uh, I mean, you and I were talking about this earlier, the best piece of advice that I've received, I know for at least the last five years or so, was something you told me um, <laughs> earlier in the school year. Keep your damn head down and keep running as fast as you can. Yep. Just do the work and everything else will take care of itself. And I've thought about that, man, um, you know, several times. And that's been the best advice that I could get. Just keep your head down and do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. You can do it your way, but, you know, be cognizant of what's going on. But keep your head down and keep running your race. And things will work out. And they have. So I appreciate you. Yeah, man, the academy is strange. You know, it's it's a Mm -hmm. place where people... um, can bully you um, into a space <laughs> to where you act in ways that won't be beneficial to you. And and because you're with so many smart people conniving in some mm-hmm. respects, um, people are constantly, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think that um, first, one thing you said was God was amazing and God is amazing and how he sends mm-hmm. or sent um, what you needed everywhere you went. Like that's, that's yep. a God I know too, right? He's a, he's a, he's mm-hmm. a provider. Um, and he does that, especially for us young men who don't have the great, uh, fortune that, you know, a few brothers do, um, a good deal of brothers that when they have that strong male mm-hmm. figure uh, in their lives. So, you know, shout out to God for, yeah. for providing for us that, that needed. Oh, yeah. But the the academy is is really tricky, and because you have God with you, you have to know that you know His um, antithetical uh, being is is in the space as well. And I I always liken people who set landmines as you know the devil, um, and they can yeah. see they are blessed just like you. It may be a curse if less um, but but they are they can see greatness um way before you can they can sense it way before you can so oftentimes people are trying to put you uh in a space i think where you uh become the blocking of your own blessing uh folks folk, folk yeah. try to do that and so i think mentors play a great deal a great role in helping us navigate through those spaces. So I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty hot. And one of the things I appreciate about you, as well as my president, uh, Makola Abdullah, Dr. Makola Abdullah, and my provost, Dr. Donald Palm, Mm -hmm. and my new dean, Dr. Neil Henderson, uh, 
and I mean, like this this space is different for me. It's new for me. Um, and Virginia State is my alma mater, but I became an associate professor uh, two years ago. Literally, the semester after I defended my dissertation, they brought me in to be a professor, an adjunct at first, and then became associate professor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this year, and basically within a year and a half, became the department chair. So there were a lot of brother. things that I just didn't know. Yeah, and thank you again. But there's a lot of things that I just didn't know. But I'm a practitioner. I may not be the, the greatest researcher, mm-hmm. but me leading a political science department is something that I do on a day-to-day basis in, the, in a real-life political sense. But I really appreciate brothers like yourselves and the people who I just called on kind of wrapping their arms around me and saying, this space may be new for you, but we got you. Yeah. And we're going to make sure that you are successful. And I don't know if that's talked about enough, because um, you do hear a lot about the, the, the conniving part mm-hmm. or the evilness or kind of just people doing different things. But there are also within this academy are uh, a group of people, and I'm not just going to regulate that to brothers, yeah. but there are a group of people who really want to see you do well. I, at my school, man, you know, we have a lot of people at my institution who just want to make sure that I do well, and I really appreciate that. You're, you're grateful, Matt. You, you should be grateful, and you're, you're blessed. Um, and I think that is what a lot of us experience. We just don't, mm-hmm. as you say, it's not uplifted. Um, or eliminated yeah. as, as much, but there are a ton right. of brothers and sisters, white and black, um, Latino. Yeah. You know, there are tons of humans who are serious about cultivating the next uh, generation to lead, and that that that's, right. that that's really cool, man. I, I um, we've talked a great deal about um, your educational um, exploits. Um, Let's get into the uh, Charlottesville piece, man. Um, you know, I, I know a ton of people came uh, to understand who you were because you were really the voice um, to put color uh, to what was going on. And I I mm-hmm. certainly watched you on CNN well before I met you. Um, and mm-hmm. it was, it was, you know, it was always anytime you see um, people doing um, advocacy work, um, regardless of what they look like, you, I, me, I feel good about that. I like people who are advocating for the least of us. That's just some dope shit. Mm. Um, yeah, let's, talk, let's talk about um, the latter part of that. You know, obviously, I want you to say once again how what you were to the city council. Um, you know, being the first, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted, I want to touch on that really quick. You tell us who, you know, where you were in the line of secession. And then I, I want to go straight to Charlottesville, the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the hot fire. Um, let's, let's talk about that for a yeah. second. Yeah. So, so for better or worse, I'm kind of the person who individuals uh, <laughs> blame or, or praise, whichever way you look at it, for getting the statutes that started. Although I can't truly take all the credit because there were people who were talking about removing Confederate statues way before I came about mm-hmm. and way before I got on city council. Probably not um, who had my position, but just people in the community who were talking about how these things were removed and whatnot. But you couldn't, you were prohibited to do so because of uh, a state law. So when I got on council, the governor and I, Governor McAuliffe, 
um, Governor Ted McAuliffe and I, we, we developed a relationship and uh, we got really cool and he was telling me about, he was going to veto a bill, which would essentially say, okay, after he vetoes his bill, localities have the right to decide on their own what they want to do with these statutes. Mm. I have to tell a really quick backstory. So in 2013, I ran for office the first time and I lost. There was a tie at the polls, 10,088 to 10,088, and I lost by four votes. Wow. But I had a campaign cookout. Yeah, so you talk about adversity and then learning from eating some humble pie. I had to eat a whole family, the whole time, <laughs> which is necessary, though. You know, God yeah. gives you those blessings, and, yeah. it's, and it's necessary. Man, ain't but nobody, I lost ate, the ain't, nobody ate at least one slice of it, bro? You had to eat all of it? Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> nah, I had to eat all I, I had to eat all of it, man. You couldn't tell me nothing during that time. I was refused. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, and I think I lost the election on one particular day, as a matter of fact. I had a campaign cookout at this particular park that was known as Lee Park. And everybody in Charlottesville knows I like having cookouts. And even to this day, I have cookouts who have like five, six hundred people. Mm. So we were doing that during the first campaign. And, uh, you know, like I said, cookouts, we only have at least at least three or four hundred people. In this particular cookout, we only had about 70 people. So I'm like, well, where is everybody? It's the, it's the Saturday before the election. Like, what's going on? And the next day, I went to church and black folk were just kind of like, I can't believe you had a cookout at Lee Park. Do you understand? And I'm like, well, no, like, help me understand. And there were some elders who pulled me to the side and said, you had a cookout at the park where we've had our faces slashed, where we've been sat on, where a lot of us, you know, don't even step foot in that park because of that statue that's there. Mm. And I didn't even understand the context of it all. And they were saying to me, you know, well, how can you say you're going to represent us, but you don't even understand the history of what you did. Mm. And... You know, it was a it was a very valuable lesson. So I vowed if I ever had the opportunity to do something about it, I would. And that opportunity, which is again why it was a good thing I didn't win my first election. I wound up winning the election in twenty sixteen, the first person to win all ten precincts, the highest vote getter. And then when I came into office, the governor said, Hey, I'm gonna veto this bill. I know you're interested in moving these statues. I got your back, let's get it going. Wow. So yeah, it all works out, right? So we had a press conference, and, and, and ironically, we're coming up on Tuesday. We'll make three years, or excuse me, four years from the day in which we had the first press conference to announce we're going to move the statue. So uh, I hosted a press conference. There were probably about 200 people there, 150 of them Confederate folks with their flags and whatnot, telling me that I was all kind of inwards and everything else because uh, we said that we're going to move these statues. And then as time went on, um, we were able to get a vote passed three to two to have the, the statues removed. And then I was able to get another uh, vote passed to get an equity package through the city council, which was a budgetary policy yeah. uh, item that was essentially $4 million in aid to uh, underserved communities and basically folks that look like us. So wow. it was like $2.5 million for public housing, $50,000 for anybody who lives in public housing to go and get their GED class, they can go to community college for free, man, job training programs, so on and so forth. Yeah, it was, it was good. And I mean, at the time, I didn't even realize, you know, what was going on. I was just kind of trying to figure out how we maneuver this landscape. Mm-hmm. So the equity package is, is really what made the folks who had the United Right Rally upset. Um, and they tried to do some things to get me kicked off of city council. They brought up all these old tweets when I was on when I was in college, 1920, mm-hmm. just saying the craziest stuff. 
and that didn't work. They couldn't get me off the city council. The city kind of wrapped around me. We got the equity package passed, and they were like, we're going to do something and really show you all we're not playing. And um, they had a, I had just got married the year before, so they had a KKK rally on my one-year wedding anniversary. And then uh, a couple of months after that, they had the Unite the Right rally, in which they brought about 2,000, 3,000 white supremacists, and then subsequently killed someone, rest in power, they had to hire. So because I was the only black on the council at the time, and I'm the one that kind of, again, people think, you know, started it or whatever, we, you know, I had to take a stance in a position to let the city know that we weren't going to be intimidated. Like, yeah. these individuals came, but, but they don't win. And this was the wake, an awakening for a lot of folks because I was getting a lot of flack. Like, there were white folk, black folk who were telling me, what you divide in the city as if we were ever united. People saying, you know, why can't we just let this go? Yeah. It's going to be really scary. You know, people are, are afraid to kind of push the envelope. And I was like, you were destroying the comfortability that people oh, yeah. have come to enjoy. Exactly. So, you know, there were, there were a lot of people who were supporting, but I mean, again, there were a whole lot of people who were telling me, you know, equity, unless you're digging up all of this stuff. But then after everything happened in Charlottesville, after the national attention, people really started to understand what it is that we were trying to address. And I saw a lot of people start to truly come together and take a step back and say, hey, you know, maybe we have been looking at this wrong. And if this statue means this much and can bring so much hate, then really it needs to be gone. Absolutely. And, um, I, you know, like I said, we just we saw across the country these Confederate statues then begin to move. What's so ironic is I'm in a group meet with a bunch of other elected officials and they literally just used the resolution that I wrote and they would change the city of Charlottesville to Baltimore or to yeah. Austin, Texas or Lexington, Kentucky. Yes. Use the same resolution, get their statues moved while ours was still up. And, um, you know, God is good, me? man, and we've been able... Yeah, yeah, man. So it's, it's, it's crazy how it works out. And now we just got our uh, General Assembly um, have passed a law to allow us to be able to remove the statues while I'm off of council. But that also is a lesson from God. You know, sometimes he sends you to places to start the race. And you may not finish it with them, but as long as you get it started, that was your role and your job to get it done. Amen. So, Recognizing that um, that God has a, a time clock that is, you know, absolutely more likely than mm-hmm. not different from the one that we mm-hmm. have <laughs> is uh, is a supreme level of understanding. And, and most of mm-hmm. us, especially, especially dudes who, and, and men and women who are in the two percentile, three percentile, the doers, you know, people who have fought and clawed and have been able to make things happen, we lack this thing called patience. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and God is just, he is the dopest in showing you what, what patience looks like. Um, and uh, that's that's extraordinary, man. I, what, is, what does that feel like um, now that you're able, and I know it, it's something like that, that is, that is, pressing and real and imminent has to still mm-hmm. be on you, but are you removed enough to really reflect on uh, the impact of the work that, that, that God has blessed you to do? No, um, I, I'm not. I mean, that's just me being honest. I haven't, I don't really understand the magnitude of it. I hear people and I appreciate the love from everyday people 
um, and your appreciation, and I appreciate the hate as well. I mean, but my children have had bomb threats at their schools. You know, we've got to have old school evacuated. We've got to have 24-hour security at our house. We get death threats probably on a weekly basis. Stuff sent to our home. Even to so you're still day. in it. Oh, yeah, even to the day. I mean, I was driving uh, Tuesday, and someone yelled, what's going you here in our city? <laughs> While I was drunk, I mean, it's like, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. So you're still in it. Um, and, and for better or worse, throughout the state, you know, a lot of people still view me, I'm high or cold, either you like them or, or you don't. Um, so again, we're, we're still in it, so I don't understand the magnitude of it. Uh, I do know I go and give these talks and these speeches across the country and, and across the world for that matter about equity and whatnot, and people have been very receptive and uh, very appreciative. But I don't think that it's something that I'll understand until maybe, you know, sometime, some, a few years down the line. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I don't I don't want to look at it like that right now. Yeah. There's more work to be done. Um, and my young students, my young scholars at Virginia State University, they are counting on Dr. B to not bask in his old glory. They're counting on me to totally do something new. And for us to take something, take our department to the next level. I so totally that's get that. kind of where I am. Yeah, I totally get that, man. That there's so much work to be done. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, you know, a moment of candor for me. I thought I was doing a little bit right until uh, <laughs> until I started uh, researching Samuel DeWitt Proctor. And mm. I realized mm. then that I yeah. have not done a, a smidget of, yeah. uh, of what this brother has done, you know? So it is. Oh, that brother was incredible, man. man. Incredible. Listen, like he is like, for, for me, he is the standard now. You know, I, I thought mm. highly of some guys, but to be influential in education, in policy, in yeah. religion, and in in partnership slash activism, like yeah. there are people who live their lives and they're good at one of them. To be phenomenal mm-hmm. at four of them is right. mind boggling to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't get it twisted. He's a graduate of uh, Virginia State College. Yeah, he was in the college at Virginia State University, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, State, he's, man. he's also a scroller. He's also a noob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we do, though. Yeah, that's yeah. What we do, I mean, know? I should not have been surprised when, you know. You shouldn't you know, have. I shouldn't yeah, have. But, you know. But, but, but the point is, is that when you realize you are blessed to carry a cross um, and mm-hmm. it is cloaked in um, service to the least of us or service to mankind, you realize that there's really no time to... to you know, pat yourself on the back about what you're doing because you right. move quickly to the next thing. Like you get something cemented and it's solid and it's running on its own. Then the, yep. the way that thing sets up, what, what God puts on you, the way that thing sets up is it's time for you to move on to the next thing. To the next, to the next. We don't have any time. Absolutely. We got to go on to the next thing. What, yeah, what, yeah, what else yeah. is Wes Bellamy doing, man? What else is Wes doing? I know I know you got a book. Let's talk about the book for a second. Yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, we have one book out, working on the second. The first book, Monumental, is never about a statue. It's my memoir source, and it really just talks about everything 
that transpired um, in Charlottesville over a two-year period from my perspective. And uh, so I wrote it, and it was intentional about not signing with a large publisher company. I went with a black-owned, black woman-owned uh, publishing company out of Norfolk, Virginia, to show her some love. And the book has done very well. I'm very appreciative in that regard. I'm where, working where, on another book now. Where, where can folks find that book at, brother? You can find that book on Amazon, uh, Monumental. It was never about a statue. Okay. Um, or you can get it on my website, drwestbellamy.com. Uh, I'm working on another book currently called uh, When White Supremacy Knocks Fight Back, How Black People Can Use Their Power, How White People Can Use Their Privilege. And it's a guidebook of sorts, a uh, short book, 12 chapters, uh, essentially which questions or calls to act, calls everyone to act, both black and white folks, and everyone else in between, uh, challenges us to work together, thinking about some of our systems and how we challenge these systems, but most importantly, again, coming together. Um, and for me, also, uh, I've been appointed to Governor North and my current governor's uh, strategic advisory board. So I've been working with him on some different issues revolving around equity, serving as a department chair, doing for political science at Virginia State University, and um, trying to be the best dad that I can be and the best husband that I can be for my wife and my children. Those are the things that are most important to me. When I'm not doing that, uh, I started a coding program here in Charlottesville called We Code 2, so we're getting ready to gear up for our third summer academy um, in which we teach black and brown boys and girls how to code and program. And then we have a component in which we teach uh, ex-felons and those who are of the reentry community digital skills. So we're getting ready for, for both components in that regard. And, you know, man, again, I'm just trying to be a vessel and, and, and try to do my part, do your, whatever God tells me to do. Your daughters are driving a lot of that too, aren't they? They're driving all of it. Uh, I want to make sure that they know that their dad was not only an individual who stood up for what was right, but their dad was a good dad to them. So I always want to be the kind of dad that we're still proud of. I never want to do anything, although I make mistakes all the time, but I want to kind of be the person when, you know, 15, 20 years from now, they know that they can stand on my shoulders because I was standing on someone else's shoulders and they can be even better than I was and I am at this time right now. Amen. Um, let's, as we begin to uh, wrap this up, man, let's talk about colleagues that, uh, that are in the space, mm -hmm. whether it be in higher education or out in the partnership space. Who, who, who are you excited about right now, man? Who's doing some, some blazing work with you, bro? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, <laughs> be that guy, but, but I'm really excited about the work that you do with health. Um, I was an individual who was blessed to be a, a, a part of health. And the work that you're doing in regards to just bringing thought leaders together, I don't know if people who are listening quite understand um, the power of health. I mean, it's very rare which you can bring a cohort of people twice a year together and you hear from literally HBCU presidents from across the country, uh, higher-level administrators from across the country. That's extremely rare. And soak up all that knowledge and gain and then be connected to these folks that you continue to do work. So, you know, you are a person who my wife and I both, we're always, you know, looking at your Instagram and talking about the work that you're doing. Um, my president, President McCullough Abdul, is doing phenomenal work. I always tell him I follow him into a burning bush or a burning building, yes, wherever sir. he wants to go. I'm with him. Um, and then outside of that space, there, there are a lot of folks 
um, who I really, really look to. Uh, when you look at, you know, some people, like uh, there's a brother named Philip Agnew, mm-hmm. who's doing some work on the political sale mm-hmm. out of Florida. Uh, I love that brother. He's actually doing phenomenal work. There's a young brother named Joel Jones, who was the youngest uh, African-American elected official in the country. He was a city councilman at 19 years old. He's doing phenomenal work. Wow. Um, the sister, yeah, oh yeah, he, he's incredible, man. Her sister, uh, I spent a lot of time with my sister, Angela Rock, who we both know, and I think yeah. you and I actually met uh, at, 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 at a yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, she's, she's a person. This world is small, man. This world is small. Like, yeah. I, I, um, I tell folks it does not pay to be an asshole. Um, oh. you, have, you have no oh. idea who knows who. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can really kill yourself before you, I mean, without even knowing it, you know, because oftentimes yep. the way we eat, uh, is at the same table with each other. And, you know, while yep. we're eating, that conversation gets to moving. And, you know, everybody's trying, when you're in that progressive circle and everybody's about partnership and, and moving the needle, you start talking about people who are doing the same. And if you mess around and, uh, <laughs> you know, cross toes <laughs> with folks, boy, it can it can be dicey without, you know, even without being slandered. People, you know, just roll their eyes or look a different way or continue eating. Yeah. Uh, and then that can stop a whole lot of stuff, man. So I, I, always... I, I, I tell people, you know, really quickly about you. Like people, because I mean, I know this is your show, so people know about you, but I don't know if they know your heart. We were at Angela Rogers at Congressional Black Caucus in D.C., and um, another mentor of mine, Mike Muse, yes, uh, who has been helping me a great deal with, with all kinds of different stuff. And uh, I'm the co-founder of this group called the Black Millennial Convention, in which we bring together Black millennials from across the country. You and Mike doing that work together, man? So Mike has been an advisor in that regard. Wow. Um, so I work with a team of other folks. Yeah. So I remember we were at the luncheon, and Mike said, "Man, you, you don't know this brother, Dr. Felton, President Felton. He's a new." Like this, I said, oh, oh, really? And then, uh, and President Helen and I, we started talking, and he said, man, I want you to come out. We got this group health, man. You, you got to come out and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, Wes, whatever Herman says, you got to do it. And Angela said, Herman said, you do it. You better, <laughs> you better do it. And, and Herman said, look, man, I want you to be there. Whatever it takes to get you there, we're going to make sure you're there. And then we develop, you know, this mentor-mentee relationship. And it goes to what you were just saying, being nice to people and not being an asshole or thinking that you are, you know, the, the it person, quote yeah. unquote. You never know what that would bring for you. Yeah, man. It, it is just a small world. And Gene Brown. Um, and Gene. Oh, yeah. Gene was a student of mine. <laughs> shout out at, to Gene. At, yeah, shout out to Gene and Mike. You know, my, yeah, let me mm-hmm. But Mike Muse is, Mike Muse is like, if if there is a picture next to the word Maven, it it has to be here. <laughs> it has to be here. It has yeah. to be here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has, it has Absolutely to be here. Right. Um, what is your hope for the space, man? Both in the equity work that you're doing and for Black colleges. What's what's your hope? Um, that we will continue to elevate, empower, and love each other. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us are already doing the work. Mm-hmm. So when we say continuing this work, is that we're elevating it 
to another another level. Um, and I think that for from a political standpoint and even from an academic standpoint, I want us to be able to understand that we're good enough just by ourselves. We don't need anybody else to validate us. We validate ourselves. So that's the elevation part. When we talk about empowering each other, after we realize that we're good enough to do this stuff just for ourselves and by ourselves and supporting our own HBCUs, making sure that we support and develop our own political candidates, our own thought leaders, our own researchers, and so forth, we empower each other to continue doing that work. And then lastly, loving each other comes in a wide variety of different forms. Like, yes, I appreciate our relationship because you're telling me, like, what's if you messing up, like, you messing up, tighten up. <laughs> you're telling me, like, yeah, you need to, you know, be prepared for X, Y, and Z. That's love. I don't yeah. think love is just, you know, always saying, hey, you're the greatest person in, in this regard. So, you know, I hope we can continue to hold each other accountable, but also do it with love, man, and, yeah. and let's continue to elevate and power and love each other. And that's where I see the work going. I think we're doing it. Yes. So we just have to continue speaking on it. Yes. And, and again, as we were talking about, admit that it is being done. Yes. And, and let's be proud of it, those of us who are doing it. Yeah, I think you uh, you hit it. I mean, precisely on the head, bro. It, it is um, it is being done, and we are not talking about it because it's not sexy. Um, it's not the thing to do. Folk want us to be delusional and uh, in the mist, if you will, uh, fog, uh, and and constantly questioning that. Um, and I. I, right. I'm one of those who is set out to um, work with colleagues who happen to be friends. You know, people always talk about you can't work with your friends. No, that's bullshit. Actually, you can. Um, you know, in order to be a mentor, you got to be nice. No, you have to be honest and you have to be accountable. Yep. And you have to exactly. hold each other accountable. Like I, I had a young man and a young sister who kind of rocked my world here at Wiley when they said to me, like, yeah, we're not getting enough from you. I'm like, what? What do you mean you're not getting mm, enough from me? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I don't even understand what that means. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Um, and I'm thinking, you know, all I every time I see them, hey, you good? You good? Y'all good? That's the the extent. And And in my mind, it was, I know they're good. So let me work on everybody else, but forgetting the cultivation piece. Um, so mentorship is a two-way street. It's not just about somebody um, being the mentor and, and only you know stopping to talk down to uh, the mentee. It's about cultivating that relationship. So that accountability and that love rolls both ways. So I'm glad you you touched on that because I think people need to hear that as well. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I mean, again, it's, it's the utmost importance. You can't grow by always being praised. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife, my wife taught me that. She was one of the people who taught me that, you know, in terms of accountability and, and you know, there's grace. And, but there's also, you know, you got to grow. You got to be better. Yeah. And we, we all have to consistently strive to be our best selves. And it's hard, but it's necessary. You know, I often think about how difficult it is being a um, African American, a black man, a Negro. Um, how we fight from the minute 
our feet hit the hit the floor out of the bed. It's a fight all day long. Can you imagine having um, been on this journey without your wife? No, I could not have been on this journey without my wife. Um, and my wife is, is the opposite of me mm-hmm. in many regards. Uh, I'm an extrovert with introverted ways. She's really an introvert and an analytical person. Mm-hmm. I always say it's the background, <laughs> but she is indeed the yin to my game. Yes. Um, and she, and she, she balances me a great deal. A, a phenomenal mother. She, I can't do the work that I do without. Um, so I'm forever grateful for it. Yeah, partnership is a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Rapid Fire, man. What's that line name? <laughs> well, I was a, a solo. Oh, so are you serious? Be, yeah, I was a solo, man. I'm ace. Yo, yeah, man, I'm like, I knew there was a solo. reason I liked you. Me too. <laughs> I knew there was a reason. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you, you know, you know exactly what that's like. Yes, you sir. know what comes along with that, man. So yes, sir. Um, it was a time. It was a time, but uh, but worth it. Um, uh, favorite baller, Jordan or Bryant? Kobe. Cold. And I am a diehard Lakers fan, man. Diehard Lakers fan. It tore me up. God rest his soul. Uh, so much to the point that my wife always says she thinks I'm crazy when the Lakers game is on. So I, res- I respect MJ, but Kobe Dean was my guy, and Bron is my guy. And whomever is lacing it up for the Lakers, whether it's Smith Parker, Jordan Palmer, Cedric Sabalos, Eldon Campbell. Boy, you, you watch it now. Watch it. You t- you said Cedric Sabalos, <laughs> dude. I'm like, this dude is a real hey, Lakers man. fan. Hey, man, I've been through the, the good days, the bad days, and everything in between. Apple pie or chocolate cake? Apple pie, man. Apple pie. A little ice cream on the top? I'm like something tolerant, but I still be in bed. <laughs> <laughs> My wife don't like when I eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you, you had... You tore this whole interview up, and then you messed it up right there. <laughs> honestly, uh, everybody, honestly, man. Yeah, man. No, no, it's all good. It's all good, man. Um, football or baseball? Football. Um, House of Representative or the Senate? Uh because um, we need more left over there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, forty-two or forty-three. Forty-three. Um, I really neither one, but forty-three. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I hit you with the question, right? <laughs> these, these are complex. These are not some simple, yeah. easy questions, bro. These yeah. are some complex questions. Last, yeah. last yeah. one I'm going to hit you with, man. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, you know, for for a lot of 43 shortcomings, he did uh, he did some decent work. He was bad, but he, he did some decent work. So no, I did he set the groundwork for a few things. I actually like him. I actually like him. I do, yeah. um, personally. Yeah. But, um... 
And, yeah. uh, you know, that has nothing to do with my party affiliation uh, unequivocally right. on that blue side of the house. So it's not even about yeah. that. But I, I, I can respect yeah. men, and uh, I really like who he is as a man. You can respect a man. the man yeah. as a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You yeah. have to. Yeah, I think a, anybody's being honest has to. Yeah, he's a good man. I think he's a good man. So yeah. um, last one, man. Um, uh, presidency or politician? Presidency. My man. I presidency. Hope, I, I don't. I hope that um, his will aligns with yours, uh, the passion, the vision. Um, you know, the tenacity that you have uh, being in this uh, seat and my day job, understanding what it looks like and what type of moxie uh, and the level of um, intellect and empathy also uh, that is needed to, to do this gig. I think you're, you're spot on, brother, and... Um, you know, God has got something special for you in this space. Uh, if this is where you choose to uh, dwell, I, I I would not be surprised here uh, in the future, man. Um, next five, ten years that you're running your own gig, brother, I wouldn't be surprised, man. And I I don't think I've said that to many people. Um, Greg's <laughs> over here shaking his head. Yeah. I ain't blowing smoke. <laughs> we don't blow smoke. Um, I, thank we, you. Know, we know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you. Um, I think I you got all the trappings, that, brother man. And I just really appreciate you, man, um, taking time out to uh, come rap with us at Four Thoughts of uh, our founders, man. This health podcast is something that you know we didn't see coming. Um, but again, for us, it's about agency and giving uh, mm -hmm. our voices and our space um, the platform to to do say. Uh, and just be. And so we're grateful to have you here. And uh, you are welcome back anytime. If there's anything that you oh, want to discuss, brother, you just hit us up, man, and we can we can get it on and pop in, brother. Man, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you having me. And more than anything, I think you are uh, one of the first people to show me what I don't know. And you open my eyes uh, by being at health. To really say, you know what, you're good at a few different things, but there's a lot of fundamental things that you need in this higher ed space to go back and learn. So take your time and learn them. And I and I really, I forever in debt to you for that, man. And I think that was kind of the kickoff for my for my new transition in life, for this chapter in my life, yeah, being in health. So so thank you, man. Man. Hey, that's that's a big deal, man. We appreciate it on behalf of Greg and Tony Pinkard and Melva Williams. Uh, we're, we're grateful, and uh, you know we're just doing this work that was placed on us, boy. We don't like it sometimes, but uh, we love it all the time. Right? <laughs> you working? You working? <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, Godspeed to you and your beautiful family, man. Please give your wife my regards. Um, and look forward to seeing you once this uh, tenderoni thing uh, does what it does. And, I know, and right? Lord have mercy. Yeah, man. Be be safe out there, bro. And um, and uh, Godspeed to you, brother. Much love. Thanks again. All right, man. Take care. All right.